Greetings to everyone. Good to see you here, and we certainly want to welcome our visitors. There are several here today, and but many of our others are not here. Sorry about that. As my wife said, we enjoyed a good vacation trip to Tacoma, Washington, where I used to pastor. And I guess we'd forgotten how beautiful it was back in that part of the country because it was just almost breathtaking this year or something you're not used to in a way. I'm sure they just take it for granted because they're there all the time. But the evergreens, the scenery, the vegetation is so green and beautiful. The flowers are in full bloom and it, it was just a beautiful enjoyable trip. A few weeks ago, our Sabbath school lesson was on the millennial reign of Christ. And some asked me if I would speak on it and take it a little bit further and deeper. And uh, that I will do, Lord willing. There'll be two sermons on it because it is a very deep subject. And if you do not catch and understand it all right at the first time you hear it, if it is the first time, I want to assure you that each time you hear the subject, you'll learn something new and remember more about the subject. You do not find the word millennium in the scriptures. The word millennium means a thousand years, and that we do find in the scriptures. We'll be speaking on, especially today, the proof of millennial reign, and also next Sabbath we'll be speaking a little more in depth as to the purpose and what will be going on during the millennial reign. The Church of God, Seventh Day, have, have always believed in a millennial reign. I know that there have been various ones who have advocated that we are in the millennial reign at the present time. But we as a church, we always believe that there will be a literal Millennial reign where Christ himself will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. And that's what we'll be presenting today and also next week, as I said, Lord willing. Turn to Revelation, the 11th chapter. And I certainly hope that you brought your Bibles with you because as you read and you follow along the scriptures I'll be presenting, it'll mean even more to you. In Revelation, the 11th chapter, you will notice in the 15th verse, it says, and the seventh angel sounded. The word seven means a completion. You'll notice there are seven trumpets of the seven plagues and, and the seven angels and and. Uh, the seventh always takes you right at the end 
of the age of the time in which we live. And it says, And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. So it says that as we understand the setting, the seventh angel, the completion, then the kingdoms of the world become the kingdoms of Christ our Lord. So apparently at the present time, the kingdoms of the world are not the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, even though he does reign in the hearts of man. We feel that there are three phases to the kingdom. As I said, my tenure with you will not permit time to speak all, on all of these important subjects. But nevertheless, we believe in the spiritual kingdom which we are in at the present time where Christ reigns in our hearts. We believe in the millennial reign where Christ rules for a thousand years. And then we feel that there's an eternal kingdom. When Christ turns a kingdom over the, to the Father at the end of the millennial reign. And even he becomes subject to the Father even as we. But during this thousand year period, during the millennial reign, Christ reigns over the kingdoms of the earth. And he's king of kings and lord of lords. In Revelation, the 20th chapter. Revelation, the 20th chapter. We find where it speaks about the thousand years. Now, someone said this is the only time that the thousand years are mentioned. That is true as far as the thousand years itself. But there are many, many, and I, even these two subjects, I'll not have time to cover all the scriptures that mentions that time period and what will take place and so forth. But I would like to remind us, just because something is mentioned only once in the scriptures doesn't take away from its importance. We as a church... We believe in feet washing at the time of the Lord's Supper. But that's only mentioned once. But we feel that's a part of the Lord's Supper and should be participated in. Reminding us that we ought to be humble before one another. In the 20th chapter of Revelation we find that it tells us and another angel came down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And it says that cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. Now, even here in these scriptures, there's some things that I want to mention. First of all, those who do not believe in a millennial reign, they spiritualize this 
And they say that this chapter here should be taken spiritually, symbolically, rather than literally. Well, brethren, first of all, if Satan is bound today, it tells us there's coming a time when he's turned loose. If he's bound today, I certainly don't want to be around when he's turned loose. Because he bothers me so much today. I know with Christ's help I can overcome him. But I don't think this is the bounding that this is referring to. Because it says that he's cast into the bottomless pit. And what is the bottomless pit? We understand it to be the grave. The Satan is destroyed during this period of time. And I don't have time, but if you're taking notes, if you'll notice Proverbs 27 and verse 20, you'll find there that the grave is referred to as never being full. Never being full. And we still see people dying and being put into the grave. And so the grave is a bottomless pit. And if you will, cho- if you will check with Job 30, 33, Verses 18, 24, 28, and 30, you'll find that the pit is referred to as the grave in those references. And that's not the only scriptures that refers to the pit as the grave. So we feel that Satan himself is put into the grave, is destroyed during this period of time, that he should not deceive the nations anymore until after the period of time, then it says he must be loosed a little season. In verse 7, it says, when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed. Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. And I skipped a few verses in between there where it speaks about the saints living and reigning with Christ for a period of a thousand years. Of a thousand years. And after the thousand years, as I just read, in verse 7, Satan shall be loosed and he will go out and he will deceive the nations and he will gather them and bring them down against the holy city, and try once again the last effort to overcome Christ and his followers. Now when will this kingdom be set up? If we can pinpoint that, then we will conceive then that we're not in the millennial reign. We're in the first phase of the kingdom, yes, but not the millennial reign. Now, if we can pinpoint when this will be established, then we can have some idea that this is not symbolic. Turn to, first of all, Revelation, the third chapter. Revelation, the third chapter, there's a very interesting scripture found here. In verse 21. Now, we, we, before you turn to it, or while you're turning to it, we believe 
that the scripture says not only believe, but the scripture does say that Christ is standing at the right hand of the Father in heaven. The scripture says that. But here in the 21st chapter, Jesus says, to him that overcometh, you and I, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. So Christ is not ruling at the present time. The father is doing the ruling. The son does not have a kingdom as such to rule over. But he says, he that overcometh, he that takes advantage of the opportunity that Christ gives to whosoever will may come, that will be granted to sit with him in his throne in the future. Christ is saying here, I don't have a throne at the present time, but I want you to know that there's something in store for you. There's something for you to look forward to. There is an inheritance that you can look forward to. To be with me and help me to rule during that period of time. In Matthew the 25th chapter. Matthew the 25th chapter. The scriptures gets clearer. As to when Christ's literal kingdom begins. In Matthew the 25th chapter. I thought I said 20 but it's the 25th chapter. Matthew 25, beginning at the 31st verse. He says, when the Son of Man shall come in His glory. Now we're looking forward to that, aren't we? There isn't a church that I know of that doesn't believe in the second coming of Christ. Everywhere I go, people ask, Brother Walker, don't you think we're living in the last days? And that's what they're referring to, the last days of this age. When Jesus will come. And this is what this is referring to. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory and the holy angels with Him, then, then the time of His coming, the time of His coming, shall he sit on the throne of his glory and before him will be gathered all nations for judgment, in other words. But Jesus sits on the throne of his glory when he comes in the clouds of heaven. And the second one is even clearer yet. Second Timothy, the fourth chapter, 2 Timothy, the fourth chapter, as he wrote to Timothy, a young man that was just entering the ministry, and he writes and he encourages him and he gives him information to speak about and to present to the people. But he gives Timothy a charge, a command. In the first verse, he says, Timothy, he says, I charge you. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, 
who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Not before. This sort of does away too of a prejudgment, doesn't it? But yet we hear so much about if you're righteous when you die, that you immediately go to heaven or if you're not righteous or to a hell. That's a judgment. But the scripture says we all remain in the grave. But here he says he judges the quick that is the living and the dead at his appearing, not before, at his appearing and his kingdom. So Christ has a kingdom. The kingdom to come, a physical kingdom. Revelation says that he's going to rule with a rod of iron. Christ is not reigning with a rod of iron today. He says, whosoever will, let him come. But there's a time when he will rule with sternness. And it cannot be after the millennial reign because then there will be nothing but saints and you don't have to rule with a rod of iron over someone who's immortal and God's true saints that have been, that have received immortality. Nowhere do we find in the scriptures where God has to use sternness over the angels of heaven. Over the angels of heaven. But here it says that he judges the quick and the dead. At his appearing. And his kingdom. Zechariah the 14th chapter. Zechariah the 14th chapter. Speaks about the coming of the Lord. And it also speaks about. The battle of Armageddon if you please. And we hear much about the battle of Armageddon today. Even the politicians gets into the act. Because they ever once in a while speak about the battle of Armageddon. I don't know if they understand what they're talking about. But nevertheless they mention they've heard it. And they know that it's the last battle that's going to be fought upon this earth. Zechariah 14 Beginning with the first verse, you'll notice that it begins to speak of what's going to come to pass. In the second verse, it takes it up the subject even in a more in enlightening way. He says, for I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. The city shall be taken, the houses raffled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall be cut off from the city. Then it speaks about the coming of the Lord. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those people as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. Yes, when Jesus comes, his feet will stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. 
in verses 8 and verse 9, it says, And it shall be in that day that living waters. See, there has to be a reason or purpose of the living waters. There has to be people here to receive the living waters. Blessings. Life. Life uh, uh, flowing. Blessings and necessities of life and so forth. The living water shall go out from Jerusalem. Half of them toward the former sea and half of them toward the hinder sea. And summer and winter shall it be. Now notice now. And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. Over all the earth. In that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. Yes, when Jesus comes, he sits upon the throne of his glory. To rule. And this was even prophesied at the time of his conception. At the time of his conception. Notice Luke the first chapter. In Luke the first chapter. When the angel came and told Mary that she was going to have a child. Even told her what she was going to name it. Call it after he was born. I lost my Bible and I bought, just bought a new one. It's going to take me a while to get it broke in, I guess. In Luke, the first chapter, beginning with the 30th verse, you'll find it says that the angel tells Mary, you've been chosen. You've been chosen. And he says, you're going to have a child and you call his name Jesus. In the 32nd verse, he says, he shall be, shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord, Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. Now, when Jesus was here, did he ever rule on David's throne? No. He didn't have a kingdom when he was here. Jesus said, I don't even have so much of a place to lay my head. But when Jesus comes back, when his feet touches the Mount of Olives, when he rules, Jerusalem is going to be the place where he's going to rule from. That's where David's throne was. It touched me. About 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, Life magazine, the whole, the whole press, so the whole magazine dealt. What was this world going to be like 20 years from now, it said. Ben Gurin, which was the first premier, prime minister, rather, of Israel when they first became a state. They asked various statesmen what this world was going to be like 20 years from that time. Now Ben Gurion was, was a little wrong as far as time is concerned. 
but he knew what he was talking about as far as subject matter is concerned. He says, 20 years from now, there will be peace. And he says, Jerusalem is going to be the headquarters. He knew the Messiah was coming. See, the Jews do not believe in Jesus as Messiah today. They're blinded. They're blinded. And we'll, next week we'll bring more of that in as far as our subject today is concerned. So they do not believe in the Messiah, but they believe he's coming. They do believe he's coming. He hasn't come yet, they say. And so he's, he was alluding. He didn't come right, right out and said, but he was alluding that 20 years from then that Jesus would be here and he would be reigning from Jerusalem. Yes, the angel said, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the whole earth. We used to have a track that we printed. The title of it was The Next World Dictator. And boy, people wanted to read it because they wanted to find out who was the next dictator. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's going to dictate with righteousness and judgment and justice throughout the world. He's not going to be a tyrant as so many of the dictators have been, Hitler and so forth. Yes, the next world dictator is going to be the Lord Jesus Christ. There's never going to be a man that's going to rule over the whole world. And that was prophesied in the scriptures. Rome was to be the last, was to be the last nation that was going to rule the world until Jesus comes. Many men have tried since then. The scripture says they will not cleave one to another. It will never take place. But when Jesus comes, he will be king of kings and lord of lords. <clears throat> There's a scripture. I think it's in Revelation 5 and about the 20th verse. I didn't write it down because I knew I'd, I just don't have time for all the scriptures and in, in the two sermons that I'm going to present. But it says that you and I will be kings and priests and reign with Christ on the earth. Now a king is a ruler. We can understand that very clearly. So he has to have someone to rule over. A priest is a teacher. So there has to be someone to teach during this period of time. I'm just going to allude to it and, and, and touch upon it, but we'll speak more about it and, and make it clear next week. But going back again to Zechariah, the 14th chapter, just to show that there will be natural people during this period of time. Because Jesus is going to reign with a rod of iron. There has to be a reason for that. There has to be a reason for him to use his sternness. Zechariah 14, I've just read to you about the coming of the Lord. And it says in his feet, in the verse 4, his feet shall stand at that day upon the Mount of Olives. 
And then verse 9, he says he's going to be king over all the earth. And in verse 14, no, verse 16. Verse 16, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left, that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, shall even go up from year to year, year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes, there's going to be some people left. There's going to be some people left. And if you read on in the few chapter, a few verses after this, you'll find that some of them are not going to be obedient. That's why he has to use sternness. That's why he has to come down with authority and with power. But I'm just showing that during this period of time, there's going to be some natural people here. It's going to be a need to rule and to teach. And brethren, we're going to have that privilege of reigning with Christ during that period of time. We're going to be helpers as it were. Yes, there's going to be some babies born during this period of time. Isaiah 65. Isaiah 65. And sorry to say, there's going to be some death. Isaiah 65. So it can't be the immortal that's dying. It has to be someone else. It has to be the natural people. Isaiah 65 and beginning with the 17th verse. He says, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. Just taking this verse as it is read, you would think that he's going to speak again and there's going to be a new earth and new heavens and so forth because in the beginning it says that he spoke and he was done. No, brethren, it didn't take 7,000 years to create the earth or as we heard this week that this earth is 20 billion years old. He spoke and he was done. Hebrews says this world was not created out of things which do appear. Our scientists can take a subject matter and analyze it as it has so much this and has so much that, so much water and so much this and that. But the scripture says that we're not created out of things which do appear. God spoke and he was done. This creating new heaven, this new earth and new heaven, it means upon this earth. In other words, this earth is going to be restored back to its Eden, Edenic, I get my tongue wrapped around it, condition again. I create new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. 
tells us of what's going to happen at the beginning. Verse 18, he says, I create Jerusalem a rejoice and her people a joy. <clears throat> Let's drop down to the 20th verse. As in there shall be no more thence an infant of days. Nor an old man that hath not filled his days. For the child shall die an hundred years old. But the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. What does this mean? It means that there will be no premature deaths. My wife and I lost a child after a few days of birth. That's part of life. That happens. But during this period of time, there shall be no more thence an infant of days. Premature deaths. A child that is born will grow up to maturity. Yes, there will be deaths. But it says, for the child shall die and hundred years old. We don't see that being fulfilled today. At all times, I should say. Because I just told you, my wife and I lost a child, and perhaps some of you also have lost children in their infancy. So there will be natural people to reign over and to teach, to judge amongst. In Isaiah 65, in Isaiah 65, I just have a few more few more scriptures if you will bear with me. I thought that today would be just a little lengthy, but I did not know for sure. Bear with me if you would. In Isaiah the 35th chapter, let's get an idea of the condition that's going to exist during this time. I think you'll be touched and, and I think you'll, you'll long to be a part of it. Isaiah's Yeah, we should have stayed where we were at. Isaiah 65, I'm sorry. Isaiah 65 and the 25th verse. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. Have you ever seen that done today? I haven't. The wolf will kill the lamb quicker than almost anything. But not during that time. Their natures also are going to be changed. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And the lion shall eat straw like the bullocks. You might say, well, Brother Walker, that's impossibility. For a lion to eat straw. Go back to Genesis, the first chapter, and you'll find there that, that they, that's what they did in the beginning. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the dust shall be the serpent's meat. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain or government. Mountain in prophecy means government. 
They will not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountains, saith the Lord. And this is carried just a little further in the 11th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah, the 11th chapter. We find that the prophet Isaiah elaborates on our subject. Sure be glad and I get this broke in. Pages just will not hardly turn at all. Isaiah the 11th chapter beginning with the 6th verse. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. Can you see that picture in your mind? A child not leading a kitten as he would day today, would do today, but leading a lion around tame. A little child shall lead them, and the cow in verse seven, and the cow and the bear shall feed, the young one shall lie down to gather. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the sucking child. The sucking child shall play on the hole of the ass. The snake. You know what happened if you put your hand in the snake's den today? You'll get bitten. But not during this time. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of the ass. And the weaned child to put his hand on the cockatrice den. That's, that's the snakes, I guess it is. And the, and the snakes den and not be hurt. Verse 9 says, and they shall not hurt nor destroy in all of my holy mountain or my government that Christ will establish when he comes. The closing text that I want to use, Isaiah, the second chapter. Isaiah has a lot to say about the kingdom of Christ when he reigns as king of kings and lord of lords. But notice especially this one. Isaiah the second chapter in verse 2 it says, And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain, and here again mountain represents government, that the mountain of the Lord, the government of the Lord, shall be established in the top of the mountains over the rest of the governments and shall be exalted among the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. Now notice now. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. What's the law for? It's for the lawless. The scripture tells us. There's going to be a purpose. And there's going to be a need of a law during this time. To govern the lives of the people. For out of Zion shall go forth the law. And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations. You don't judge among an immortal person. 
you will judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Are they doing that today? Certainly not. It's just the opposite. Just the opposite. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Yes, brethren, these are the reasons why there has to be a millennial reign. There has to be a period of time for these scriptures today to be fulfilled. And the, and the sermon next Sabbath will, will carry on, go a little deeper. But even then, I will not be able to cover the whole subject because it's too broad and too vast to cover it all in that period of time. But hopefully you've, you've gained a little greater insight of the purpose and the reason of the millennial reign. May the Lord bless you is my prayer.